what are some of the methods that you for yourself rely on to to interpret the Bible for yourself? And what are some of the methods that you present to your people for how they can get started in interpreting the Word of God? The first thing I would say is do not go to a commentary first, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We need to go to the Bible first. You, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit are a priority. So we can go to a commentator when we need it for, for help and maybe a lexical issue or a grammatical issue or a history issue. But the Bible is for the common Christian. We've got to put it back in their hands. So, and I think reading through a particular book is the best way to do it because every Bible book has one message and that that author lays it out in a certain way. And what we're doing is proof texting passages from all over the Bible, putting them together the way we want and say God said. And I think that's tragic. Mm -hmm. So our people first need to be informed that they and the Holy Spirit have priority in this area. I love that you mentioned that because I think nowadays uh, a sermon has become that has become just a presentation. But really, one thing that convicted me even this past week, as of re- as recent as last week, is man, if I was struggling, uh, it was Daniel chapter six that I was preaching. And Everybody it, struggles. <laughs> <laughs> and so and and so it was. Uh, the lion's den, right? Everybody's heard the lion's den. And so for me, it's like, how can I come in and how can I be creative with this, this passage that so many people have heard? And so I just just convicted with it. Just, just spend time with God in the text. And so whereas we can go to a commentary and try to find the best approach or something more and something creative, I think my conviction was, let me spend time with God in this text and he will speak to me so that I can speak to, to the lay people. It's beautiful. Yeah, I think I think um, we're talking again. Um, if we're having in mind in our audience the average lay person, I like the inductive Bible study method: um, observation, interpretation, application. And before we we, um, we talked about not rushing to commentaries, I think we shouldn't even rush to application too quickly. I think we need to um, slow down and spend time. Um, I think it, it was in um, you're going to share the the book how to read the bible for all it's worth but yeah. one of the points it's been a while since i've looked Maybe at it i'll set it up here so but, you can see it yeah but one of the one of the points that's mentioned that uh, fee or Stuart mentions is you, we need to first understand the then and there before we're able to make sense out of the here and now and so hermeneutics which is the art and science of biblical interpretation um it's how we understand anything from the bible it's an it's 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 a method is all about first appreciating what God had. God's word, before it's God's word to us, was God's word to them. Yeah, then, it's not written there. to us, it's written for us. Exactly. And so I think observation is, emphasizes that. We want to first understand what does the Bible say? Uh, what is Paul saying? What is the Holy Spirit saying? Uh, once we're able to gain a grasp of what the Bible is saying, then we can move on to what does the Bible mean by what the Bible has said? And then thirdly, of course, is so what now? Mm-hmm. How does this, how exactly is this all supposed to be applying in my life, right? And so I think those would be just some immediate helpful tools for an average layperson who wants to pick up their Bible and gain something from it. Yeah, and I think the key to hermeneutics is the only inspired person in Bible study is the original author. And there is no golden road to application which means every Bible text has one and only one meaning, but many 
applications or significances. That again is fee and steward in their book. But your application or significance cannot be denominational or personal preference or personal crisis. It's, it's got to be, is this application linked to that original author's intent? And what I find today is a serendipity method. People say, well, well, it means to me. Who cares what it means to you? <laughs> I mean, really, who are you? So if you can't show me where you get it from the text so I can check it, People often say to me, well, the Spirit told me to do this. Well, great. The Spirit speaks to you. That's, that's a positive. <laughs> but second, unless you can show me in Revelation where God says that, I don't have to be obedient to your application, right? So you have to be faithful to it. But we need to leave some freedom for different applications, right? That's right. So, and some applications are just wrong. And we need to be able to show them that's not the best way to approach this. This text really isn't saying... Uh, because Jacob had two wives, I can have two wives. No, no, no. no. I'm a little too far here. <laughs> I'm, I'm really struck uh, by something that, that you first mentioned that, that you, you kind of you, uh, made emphasis on in, in, in what you were just mentioning. That's the fact that I was recently reading um, uh, uh, Peterson's uh, uh, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And one of the things he, he, he notes in, in that book is the fact that to be an observer is such a big, it's of huge importance to not just the pastor, but to the person who's going to sit down and read the word of God. Practice being observant because I, and I, I, it's such a hard practice. Uh, it's one of the things that Peterson talks about in this book is the fact that we would rather be tourists through, huh. through, the, through the Bible than, than actually try to stay in it and be a citizen of what God has to say. Amen. Yeah, one of the things I appreciate about you, your ministry, is that you you do mention that God wants us to understand the Bible. He wants us to understand uh, His message for His people, and so a lot of times we can we can kind of get bogged down on, well, I'm not a scholar, so I can't understand the Bible, or I can't read it for myself. And I think those are a lot of customs that we've taken from the past. But the reality is that God, you know, He does want us to understand, and it's a matter of uh, you know going to the Word that He has. Well, some of us are gifted in in interpretation. I mean, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. But here's what I find is if somebody said to me, you know, I don't have the gift of giving, so I don't give. <laughs> or, I don't have the gift of prayer, so I don't pray. I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I don't share my... Wait a minute. Those are responsible for all believers. Believers, even though they're not gifted in Bible interpretation, are going to stand before God for what they believe the Bible said and how they lived it out, right? So if we can help clarify what the Bible said, they won't get these strange rules and customs that have no real relation to the Bible. So in a sense, Bible knowledge frees you to be the strong Christian versus the weak Christian who is trapped by rules and culture and things. So I think we need to tell our people that God's will for every believer is to be a Bible student. And that he wants to be understood. It's not like I tithe, I witness, I go to church every... No, no, no. That's good and that's wonderful. But God wants to... He's speaking and for whatever reason, we're not listening. Yeah. The Apostle Paul in Acts 17 and 11, after leaving Thessalonica, he comes to the believers in Berea and he commends them for being more noble than what he found with the believers in Thessalonica because they, they eagerly examined and searched out the things that Paul had taught to see whether or not the things were so. 
He didn't fault them. He didn't say, I'm the apostle. What are you doing? Put your notebooks away. Put your Bibles away. <laughs> Just take it. Ipso facto. No, he, he commended them. He says, I wish I can see more of this yeah. in the places that I visit. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to get practical too. So you have... Uh, you have a method, and uh, I wanted to ask you if you could share your method, your process for biblical interpretation. I will, and of course, I, I'm not trying to do an advertisement, but this this is a whole college course I've developed on video free on my website. I'm committed to authorial intent. We call the common sense method. And my little illustration here, and I think it's powerful, so let me give it to you quickly. I find a letter that you wrote to your girlfriend in junior high school on Valentine's Day. It's five pages long, okay? Ooey, gooey, I love you forever stuff. And I found that and I read two sentences from the third page. How much could I embarrass you? And you would say, wait a minute, Bob, you gotta know when I wrote that, who I wrote that to and read the whole, God is screaming that at us mm -hmm. because what we're doing is picking passages that fit yeah. what we wanna believe and not and ignoring the ones that we don't. So I'm, if I am committed to authorial intent, I'm going to try to give evidence from six areas that you can check me on. I can't do it on every issue, but many I can. The historical setting of the original author and who are the original recipients, all right? Then I'm going to deal with the literary context. How does the author present that truth? Because every book of the Bible is one major truth presented in a certain way. Unique grammatical features. Uh, lexical options. What does this word mean to the people who first received it? What could they have understood? Uh, and here we're going to deal with uh, genre issues. What kind of is this? That's what this book is so good about is particular genre issues. And then finally, parallel passages. The best interpreter of an inspired text is an inspired text, but not just where the word appears. No, no, no. You're trying to find the clearest teaching passage on that subject. So I try to work through those six areas. Let's just take at least a paragraph. The smallest we should ever take is a paragraph That's right. because it has a unified theme, right? And what I find us doing, unfortunately, is we can take a smaller portion if we've studied the paragraph. But when we take a word out, we tend to stamp it with our denomination, our personal preference, our culture. And that's exactly what we don't want to do, right? We want to let the author speak. And so if someone says, well, Bob, I don't agree with you. I usually say, well, great. I don't agree with me either after six months, you know. <laughs> but here is, you can't say you don't agree if you haven't checked my biblical evidence. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really kind of tacky. So I tell students, just because, just because I say something you never heard doesn't mean I'm weird. You may be weird. <laughs> <laughs> The biblical evidence, because we have an yeah. authority, yes. Right. It's not me, it's not you, it's not Baptist, yeah. it's the book. Yeah. So show me in the book where you got that, and then let me have the freedom, dignity to research it, pray about it, and then live in light of what I understand.